0: Welcome to Season 2 of Visitings Radio Show, where we talk to artists who are engaged with the public outside traditional exhibition spaces. I'm Alan Okagawa. Michael Ribbons is a multimedia performance artist and practitioner of public engagement. I sat down with Michael to get more insight on his ongoing project, Free Cafe, uh, and learned about some of his newer public intervention art projects. You could read more about his work uh, at rippins.com. That's RIPPENS dot com as well as on Instagram uh, at the period free period cafe.
1: Hi there. My name is Michael Rippins. And I'm a creative human. And this is for a show that's going to be at Avenue 50. um, And it's all kind of like... Avenue uh, 50 is a gallery in Highland Park? Yes. Yeah. Um, It's all uh, Filipino artists. Okay. And I believe kind of the theme is around like like Day of the Dead or like oh. um, honoring ancestors who, who have passed away. But then also kind of it, um, some of the work could be exploring all the, the extrajudicial killings that are currently going on in the Philippines oh. under President Duterte. Mm. I don't know if that's something that you're following or anyone has heard of. Vaguely. Um, but, Through Amnesty yeah, International, he's of kind sight. of like the Filipino Trump. Yeah, yeah, in, in a way. But every country's how, got one now. Yeah, but how Trump brags he can like kill somebody on Sixth Avenue and get away with it, or get more popular. Like this dude has brags about having killed people, and he's wow. extraordinarily so. He's kind of like this populist, strong arm leader, democratically elected, um, but he started this whole war on. Drugs in the Philippines, seeing that as their big problem, like not the poverty and corruption, um, but uh, scape—you know—it's classic scapegoating of people who are not only selling drugs, or is not just like drug, like drug lords. It's like users as well, like you know addicts. Or so, essentially, he just gave carte blanche to. You know, law enforcement to go out and just round up people and murder them if they're they've been like accused of being involved in in drugs somehow, mm. and it's something like over it's like twenty, what's the death toll is probably like 22, 23,000 people since wow. he's come into power like three years ago, now of people that have just been killed like no trial, like nothing just like on accusations like they're like the official total is, like, probably in the couple thousands. Um, but, the you know, like, the organizations on the ground, people that have kind of been trying to track this, uh, humanitarian, human rights organizations, um, yeah, it's definitely in, like, the mid-20,000 range of people getting murdered. And, and, of course, it's, like, mostly, like, poor people or it might be, like, even political enemies or someone has a vendetta or a grudge against someone and they accuse them of doing this. or You know, there's so much just corruption... Mm-hmm. In that country as well, so um, I wanted to make a project about about this, and um, this is a little dark, going <laughs> to a dark place. But I um, was thinking about different objects or, or things like in a, a Filipino household. I'm I'm half Filipino, and the um, we always have rice with every meal, and I'm not just eating rice like normal people, like we go and buy those like fifty pound huge sacks of rice and we have this like R two D two size little thing in our kitchen that's like a rice dispenser so it's you push buttons and the amount of like, you know, cups of rice come out. So it's a huge part part of the culture. And everyone had like, you know, most People in a Filipino household like knows exactly what I'm talking about with these big sacks of rice. And so I was thinking and also reusing and recycling materials like we never threw away like a bag or a Tupperware or like a plastic fork. <laughs> you know, like my mom just saved ever she grew up, you know, in poverty and she just she saved and reused everything that came through our house, even if it was a disposable like container. Um, so I was looking at these rice sacks, and they were kind of like this, like plasticky woven, almost like a Tyvek type, type of material, um, very similar to what people or what body bags are, are made out of. Um, and so I was thinking, like a rice sack and a body bag, and this whole idea of like reusing and recycling materials that you have it on hand. Um, and so I constructed a body, like a full size body bag. From these, u- from used like rice sacks that I collected from my mom and my grandma, who of course saved them in their closet for some reason, they were just sitting around. And They're like, probably like, finally yeah. we can
0: use these. <laughs> yeah. Michael has a project. Yeah,
1: um, and you know, as so I kind of like turned them inside out, so the the inside is all like the the logos and the packaging material, and then the outside just looks like these white kind of like body bags. I, I hand sewed like a zipper down wow. down the middle. Oh, my God. Um, and so kind of imagining that this is an object, say, like a poor family living in, in the Philippines and their family members killed or murdered and something they might make, you know, or have to, have to produce like out of materials that they just have laying hmm. around Whoa. in their house to maybe like transport their loved one to the morgue or something. You know, like I said, it's kind of a dark project, but right. this but the show is about death. Right. Um... So yeah, that's kinda of, that's like the one of the most recent things I've made. Wow. Have you ever, have you ever heard of a bolloc bion box? No, what is that? So this is this these um these huge cardboard square cardboard boxes are maybe like three or four feet square. Okay. And people in like Filipinos living overseas, will fill up these boxes and either bring them with them when they go-, go back home to visit the Philippines or they'll ship them back to their relatives in the Philippines and it's filled with just all sorts of like random stuff from the US. So anything from like sneakers to toothpaste to like spam or canned meats to socks, you know, just mm-hmm. whatever random stuff is thrown in there. Um, and i think balak bayan means like homecoming or something about like coming home or yeah so it used to be a thing when you go back home you're supposed to give gifts to everybody all your relatives and you visit them um and so this is just like i can't i can't go but i'm just gonna send you send you stuff from from america right um so i know that we used to like put a bunch of stuff into these buying boxes. You know, we, we never took like clothes so like Goodwill or uh, Salvation Army. We would always just put them in these boxes and ship them back to our relatives in the Philippines because right. they would then sell it kind of like on the secondhand market oh, there okay. in their store. So as kind of like a way for them to make money or, or, just, or they could just keep it, keep mm-hmm. it for themselves. Um, so why did I bring that up? Because you wanted a sale possibly. The oh yes, what kind of what the kind of store? store. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know exactly. I don't think I've been been to the store, but mm-hmm. I do know that any sort of weird random stuff we would send back, right. They could they would try to sell it. But so you would think they would sell a body bag? I have no idea. Oh, it, I mean, it's kind of a social it's kind of dark. Yeah, <laughs> and it, it, I just kind of liked the idea of maybe it like it being. For sale mm-hmm. where in the place where the problem is happening right. so it's like an option you know i would wow. i would hate for it
0: to That's be crazy
1: you know necessary for someone um but i just kind of like the idea it's like i like that they would be hanging in a store in the philippines more than they'd be hanging in a gallery in los angeles right if that makes any sense no that yeah. makes total sense Growing up, I'm a, I'm a enthusiastic cyclist these days. Um, growing up, there was a tradition in my family, when you turn 10, you got a 10-speed bicycle. And I was super excited about that. Got my first road bike, gonna go, you know, on, huge adventures Um, my parents were like yeah have fun no helmet no water bottle anything they're like you know go knock yourself out just don't cross any major streets i'm like oh yeah cool don't don't worry i'll see you you in 10 hours um but i realized that our house was surrounded on all four sides you know (laughs) within like a mile or less by a major street. And so really they had hemmed me in. You know, they they kept me on this leash even though I had this, you know, perceived feeling of of freedom um, being able to go wherever I wanted to, and that wasn't the case. So um, I kind of remembered that as an adult cyclist doing, you know, like – Bike tours from San Francisco to San Diego, or you know, just like these epic, long, long bike rides where you really get a sense of like, you know, freedom or a bike can take you anywhere, places far afield. Um, and I'm like, I remember that limitation that was put on me as a child. I'm like, what if I went back to my childhood home and did a grown up bike ride? So, 100 miles, like a century is kind of like this landmark distance for you know cycling road bike enthusiasts 100 miles yeah. yeah so do a 100 mile ride but stick to the parameters the <laughs> limitations that my parents gave me as a 10 year old <laughs> um, and so the the most efficient way to do that was to do a circuit around those mo- those major streets right. so I'm literally riding like you know in the shoulder amongst all the crazy car traffic that I but not technically crossing the street right. so I'm sticking to the letter of the law but certainly not the spirit of, of the safety that so you know, they were trying to get me. nothing but right turns? Nothing but right turns. Okay. Um, so it was approximately a four-mile circuit. Wow. Um, a lot of stoplights, a lot of traffic. Not, south There's path. no... It's kind of south past Dina to like San Reno to Alhambra. Because um, we were right to on the, the border Huntington. of Alhambra. So the yeah, Huntington. kind of Huntington to Atlantic. Okay. To Main Street. Oh, kind of I see. Th- You're on that side, and then Got back it. up Huntington. Like it kind of hits Huntington when it curves. Okay, um, that goes into like El Sereno. So yeah, kind of did this four mile circuit twenty five times. 25. Yeah, uh, <laughs> it, was, it was. It probably took about eight hours. Uh, I think there's so much stopping, um, and it, I did it on my uh, on my last birthday. So I thought it was kind of like a nice like bookmark or, or old, bookend. Can I ask how old you turned? Um, I am 41 years okay. old, so I probably should have done it on my 40th birthday. No. So I did, you know, like everything, I, I did it a little later than I should have. So I did it on 41. Imagery. Yeah. <laughs> um, but essentially four decades after receiving my first bike. Um, but three decades, well, three decades, well, sorry, three. Yeah. yeah. I'm terrible math. No, 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 no. Um, but it was really kind of interesting cause you get in, you, you're going around in circles and it's very meditative. It was mm-hmm. almost like kind of like a religious circumambulation, you know, that practice where people like go and like they march around like a holy site or oh. something. Um, so it's like an endurance thing, but it's also like meditative and you're communing, you know, um, with, you know, it's kind of a spiritual thing. So you, cause you're not thinking about where you're, where you're going you're just going in a circle. You don't need to. Yeah, so yeah. your mind goes in, in other places. Um, so, yeah, a lot of like introspection going on. But it was also interesting where you see the same people, like mm. mechanics, like, you know, working at a garage. There was a crew that was taking down it, like, a pine tree in a yard. And in bits and pieces, I almost got like a stop-motion video <laughs> of this tree coming down, you know, going like the limbs getting cut off and then like chopping it down and then getting cut up into logs and loading up on a truck, you know, it, you know about like 20, 20 times, right. you know, in like little like six second clips, wow. I, I, could, I could see this activity happening or, or a crossing guard that I saw in the morning when, you know, and then... I guess it was a a weekday, and then like again in the afternoon when school was out, they're back, and like this guy is still going down the same street. Like I didn't know what people were thinking because some people would see me go by like numerous times. So it's mostly like wood, like workers. Did anybody say anything? Nobody, nobody said anything. No. A couple of people, like when I was stopped at lights, like asked me for directions, which oh. happens. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, but I I did, I guess the closest, the most interaction I had was waving to that crossing guard who kind of put together that I was going in circles. <laughs> and so we had a few moments, like maybe, you know, five or six laps, we would give each other like a nod or a wave. Like, Hello as again. I, as I went by. <laughs> yeah. Um, maybe they thought I don't, you were
0: a messenger.
1: Ma- well, I wasn't carrying bags or anything. Yeah, I know. They probably just thought I was training for something. I mean, oh. I don't know what I was thinking, so I can't presume what other people were thinking. Did um, you ever? So, um, but it was like you know an endurance reason
0: right. within that introspection, did you relive anything of when you were ten? Definitely. I go actually back did.
1: To I did think a lot mm. about because I was in my old. The neighborhood I grew up in, right. as well. So going down these same streets, um, granted, I think ninety percent of my mental energy was probably worried about like not getting hit by cars, uh, That's important. which I, yeah, or like avoiding that like pile of glass. You know, there's always obstacles when you're biking but this time it's that same obstacle came up 25 times um so i was you know, <laughs> constantly you know in a sketchy intersection usually you pass through that sketchy intersection once but i had to do it over and over again one of the main things i was thinking about i had recently moved into um Leimert park In Los Angeles with people who are from LA might know that neighborhood and it's definitely um, gentrifying in in one way or another so I was thinking about that and being an artist I've always kind of moved into gentrifying neighborhoods usually like I'd be like this you know artists are the spear tip of gentrification a lot of times because they're looking for the most amount of space for the least amount of money and we're willing to go into live in places that seem like rough or where other people don't wanna live or where there's not like fancy coffee shops and restaurants. Um, So I was kind of thinking about that role that I play um, in gentrification in Mm -hmm. a particular neighborhood. And there, have you heard of this horrible website called Nextdoor?
0: Yes. Dot com. Of course. Yeah. So
1: I was introduced to that website, mm-hmm. becoming a homeowner for the for the first time, thinking, "Oh, this is going to be a cool resource. Find someone that you know, like, can help fix your windows or recommend like a tree trimmer." Mm-hmm. But there's this whole other darker side of Nextdoor, where it's just people complaining oh. and wor- worse than complaining, just getting into. Um, terrible arguments and debates. And in our neighborhood in particular, I don't know if it's unique to, to our space, and, and um, it would often devolve into discussions about gentrification, which would essentially be discussions about race. Oh, sure. Uh, because Lamar Park is traditional african-american neighborhood or at least it has been for the last 50 years before that it was a japanese neighborhood and before that it was like a white neighborhood um but it's definitely like accepted as this traditional um Afri- african american enclave and art uh kind of like a center for african-american art and culture in los angeles as well and with pr- you know prices housing rent prices going up this big Housing crisis that we're having in in Los Angeles, people who look different and are coming from different demographics and different neighborhoods are moving into Lomira Park, and so there's a big um, pushback in some cases, right? Rightly so, by residents that have been there for a long time, um, and almost every discussion on next door in my neighborhood would just devolve into. It's like us versus them, like, oh, um, yeah. you know, you're either on this side or you're on that side, you know, it just became very like polarizing and people just lobbing like vitriol bombs over the internet, hiding behind their, their avatars. Um, in some cases yeah. they would just go on there almost like trolls, you know, like shit disturbers to just make, you know, just say something horrible to start an argument. Um, and I was like, this is, this is this is terrible, like these are my, my neighbors and I've had, right. I mean it was such a contrast to my experience of meeting the neighbors on on my street and I mean, I met more neighbors in the first like three months living in Lemur Park than I had living what, like six years in a building downtown. You know, people that live right next door, to so you never see them, but um, yeah, I just had like great exchanges, everyone was so awesome and welcoming and you know, friendly. So I'm like, there's something wrong here. There's this weird disconnect between like the online neighbors and the in real life neighbors. So, part of the idea was, hey, what if we people just like met each other face to face in person? You know, we still have these like differences. There's still these like larger problems, um, maybe like racial issues. You know, other other types of issues that people are thinking about. But if you if you discuss them face, like face to face in the same space and presence of another person, you first have to agree to respect each other as like a human individual, right? Right. And everything that comes along with it as like a starting point to like a larger like conversation or discussion, which hopefully maybe could reach some sort of like resolution or, you know, understanding um, so that that at the core is kind of what I was trying to do: just get people oh. in a neighborhood to meet each other face to face. Like, oh hey, and then it's like maybe we realize like we have more in common than, than we have, you know, different. Because the internet seems to just like amplify the, uh, the differences, right? right. Or th- what people are upset about. And um, yeah, so that was one one thing I, I was thinking of, kind of like my experience. Um, in this new neighborhood and on online on next door um, and the other thing was I always wanted to just have like have a coffee shop <laughs> I grew up I probably spent more time like my senior year of high school like at the local coffee shop than actually in class and I would just go hang out there and it was so cool like friends would just you know you'd always like meet up with people there'd be like art shows people would get together and like collaborate on projects and um and you went to pratt you told me um for college i did this was in 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 high school when i kind of started getting into the whole coffee shop
0: south pasadena scene yes
1: yes so kind of before like starbucks even was a thing so we're talking like mid-90s Oh, yeah, so that kind of, like, made me think that, you know, different people would see that Starbucks opening in that neighborhood and think completely different things. Right. So one person might be like, ooh, this is an up-and-coming neighborhood. They have this fancy Starbucks coming. Like, maybe I'd consider living here or renting here. And another person, maybe, who'd been there for a while and seeing what's been happening in neighborhoods around them, think, like, oh, no. Like... (laughs) my rent's gonna go up like I might have to look for a new place to live like you know they're looking at a a new coffee shop being a symbol of like displacement Mm. Um, plus a place like a blue bottle right like that is cost prohibitive that isn't for a certain that's for a specific demographic uh who who can afford like a seven dollar latte drink or something um i i don't know i've never actually been into a blue bottle but it looks too fancy for me um so kind of thinking how there's like the like now these two um ideas of of what a coffee shop can be for me so one is this this awesome place it's like traditionally in art culture as well right like the parisian cafe you'd have thinkers and poets and artists coming together to collaborate and it's kind of like this communal place that brings people together and then this other thing where a coffee shop is this symbol of gentrification gentrification and um displacement and like kind of pointing out like these social you know democratic or demographic differences Mm. um with communities um so my idea of wanting to open a coffee shop was I wanted to try to keep that, you know, that nice, like that good, fuzzy, squishy, nougat center of what a coffee shop could, could do and be in a community, um, but then not have um, all those barriers that keep certain people out of the coffee shop. So one is walls is the first thing. So it's like an open air coffee shop. Another is cost. It's like price so every, i'll make everything free so every everybody can afford it like i don't have like fancy coffee drinks with italian sounding names um so yeah that was kind of the different you know elements that came together to do the free cafe and then of course what's happening kind of talking about other things that i want to do with the project there's always at least one person whenever i uh did the pop-up that said like oh this is so cool i want to do this like in my neighborhood or something, oh. and I'm like, "Yeah, you you should do it. Like, it's super easy. Like, here's how." Um, and I, and you know, I've always encouraged kind of like like franchising of, <laughs> of the free cafe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. um, and recently met with uh, a neighbor who's in um, Arlington Heights, and she was super into wanting to do this in you know for like her her neighbors oh, nice. in in her area. And we so we're planning, and we're uh, in October. We're gonna be doing kind of like a satellite one over oh, okay. at her, at, on her front porch in Arlington Heights. Wow! And she has a a friend that w- might want to do one in uh, Jefferson Park as well. Wow. So yeah, we're we're taking over the neighborhood. We're nice. spreading out. So um, yeah, it would be like it would be great. I would kind of imagine free cafes popping up like all of like ciclovias is how they can move around yeah, different yeah, neighborhoods yeah, yeah. um it would be great if people did like regular uh cafes as like neighborhood gathering you know uh, events and you brought
0: me a bag oh yes sh- a swag a swag bag so now well, I, I waited till we were recording for me to open it.
1: whoops oh that was broken sorry <laughs> <laughs>
0: that must have sounded so awesome I'm, on it. Um so it's a paper bag and it has um the sticker. Oh, you can remo- you can have that sticker too on it. And oh, I see it's scotch taped on. it. Nice. So this uh, is a uh, coffee mug from sort of above. Yeah, and there's a C crossed out inside the coffee mug.
1: Yeah, this is our logo, the Free Cafe logo. The Free Cafe. Which some yeah, people what? take a second to figure it out but it's pretty <laughs> and there's a button it's with pretty the same obvious logo,
0: so I got a our neighbor sticker. made those buttons really which is great oh and then there's a mug and the mug says the free cafe also has the logo yeah. it's um it's not broken kind of it's no i'm sorry i dropped
1: And for a while, it was actually on like Google Maps. It would pop up as like the free cafe and like point to my house. And my girlfriend freaked out. She's like, "Oh no! I don't want like them to jack up our insurance or something." So we had that removed. (laughs) But we had like a couple reviews, like on (laughs) on Google. Oh, on Google. Yeah, as like a coffee location. (laughs) Yikes. Um, so I kind of really like leaning into that. So a coffee shop often has buttons and right. stickers and, and mugs so it's something that they would make and produce and kind of like sell on the side Right. so yeah I'm just doing those plus all the um, the other things are free giveaways but I am if people feel like donating money which is a little weird because it's free and so there's no exchange of money at the cafes but if people like on the side want to donate then um, at a certain level they'll they'll get a Free mug as a gift, um, for their donation, which hundred percent goes into just buying more coffee and stuff for the free cafe.
0: And I believe you mentioned online recently that there's a website.
1: Yes, so I just put up a wow a website. (laughs) It's it's super basic, Um, but yeah, part I do want to do kind of like some just like neighborhood like interviews and highlight people that have been to the free cafe. So kind of bring a little bit of the you know that community onto the, and on the online platform as well. So people that can't go to the actual events can, um, still like read about it and participate in that way. (laughs) Um, well I'm used to losing money on art projects. So, you know you go to like the art store and you drop a couple hundred bucks on canvases and paint and brushes right? right um so i kind of view when i go to trader joe's and get some like coffee beans or lemonade that that's just the art supply budget that i'm using right but also it's not very much money a right like this is a dirty little secret maybe of coffee shops is to produce a cup of coffee is extraordinarily inexpensive. So that profit margin on a Starbucks latte is ginormous. Um, So, you know, (laughs) taking out all like the, you know, like the signage and all the other stuff like I make just to do an event like in my yard, probably is like 20 bucks layout like each time. So you're telling me that Starbucks
0: could actually exist just on the tip bar. Tip tip jar. Yes, if they wanted
1: to. I, I well, <laughs> well, they also have like have employees and advertising budget and all that kind of stuff. So maybe not right. not the way they do it. Okay, um, but I feel like if I wanted to actually open up a brick and mortar yeah. shop and give away the coffee, yeah, I could probably write like write up a business plan where that that could exist. If you're <laughs> selling the other stuff, right, like. Scones, yeah, yeah. Um, and maybe if if you're a nonprofit and you're accepting donations as well, um, which I don't know, maybe that's the thing I want to do in the future. In the future, have an actual coffee shop, but then I don't know. I might become like that gentrifying coffee shop then, but
0: not if you not if it's free. that concludes another episode of Visitings. Thank you to Michael Repens for taking the time uh, to come over and chat Uh, you can find more episodes of Visitings Radio Show at SoundCloud iTunes or on our website Visitings.net if you visit us on SoundCloud or iTunes please leave a comment uh, or rate us so more people can learn about our show I'm Alan Nakagawa sitting in my living room in Koreatown saying thank you for listening to Visitings.